It was a busy weekend in Hickory, North Carolina. Emily and I thought we'd wander over to see the quaint little small town Christmas parade Friday evening. Little did we know you had to stake out your place along the parade route hours or days in advance. Little did we know it was going to be a sea of humanity, an explosion of Christmas sweaters and jingle bells and elf hats. We never really saw the parade itself. We never actually got close enough, but we could hear rumors of it in the air. Maybe that was enough for our first time. And so then Saturday morning, I was driving over to church to work on my sermon because I know how to have fun on weekends. And once again, several roads were blocked off. And so I parked a little ways away and walked over to the coffee shop. And as I was walking back, I saw another sea of humanity, maybe, maybe more like a steady stream of people, people running and jogging and walking. Some were pushing strollers, all different ages and stages and levels of determination. I asked one of the runners what was going on, and she told me it was the turkey trot. Did any of you do the turkey trot yesterday? Okay, I didn't see you over there. Well, I decided to trot along with them for a few blocks before breaking off and coming to church. Now, you probably know the old expression, if all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, if you're a preacher, everything looks like a sermon illustration. Or put another way, maybe put a better way, I try to keep an eye and an ear open to see if the universe is trying to tell me something, especially when I'm writing a sermon. And I feel like the universe was telling me something, maybe that I need to pay more attention and read the local newspaper, maybe that I need to start running, but more importantly, with both the parade and the race, it's like the universe was telling me, this is how life works. There was lots of movement and excitement and noise and joy, but I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know where things started, and I didn't get to see the end of either parade. I caught glimpses. I heard rumors. I wandered along in the middle for a while and then let the parade go on without me. Now, isn't that how life works? We come into life in the middle. We don't get to choose our past, though we really, really want to. Probably like many of you, I spent most of my adolescent years devoutly hoping that this was not my family. Now, it's not that there was anything wrong with my family. In fact, from my adult perspective, I, I see I was almost infinitely blessed with a happy and stable family life, but they were just so ordinary. And as a kid, I thought I should have a better origin story, that my story should have a more extraordinary beginning. Honestly, I think that's one of the reasons the Harry Potter stories were so successful. You know, Harry discovers at the age of 11 that the story that he has been living is not his story. He's actually a famous wizard and part of a whole different magical world. What person hasn't wished for that at some point in their life in one way or another. But we don't get to choose. The past is given to us. For better or worse, the parade has already started long before we show up, and we don't get to choose it. We find ourselves right in the middle of it. And as much as we don't like to admit it, we don't get to choose the future either. 
That's not to say we don't have important things to do in our lives. It's not to say we don't contribute to the future. For better or worse, we certainly do. But ultimately, when our little parades have come to an end, the big parade keeps on going. And we don't get much of a say over where it goes. It's out of our hands. We don't get to choose beginnings or endings. The only part we have any control over is the middle. We don't get to choose how much time we have or when it starts or when it stops. All we get to choose is what to do with the time that has been given to us. As you enter the Winchester Cathedral in England, there's a sign that reads, you are entering a conversation that began long before you were born and will continue long after you're dead. Now that's a bit of a wake-up call as you stagger into church on a Sunday morning. But it's true, and I think this is what our reading from Hebrews is getting at. Whether you imagine it as a conversation or a parade or a relay race as Hebrews does, there's this awareness that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves, something that's been going on for a long time and long before we came on the scene and something that will continue long after we're gone. And we only have our small role to play, just a bit of the conversation to carry on, just one leg of the race to run. Just before our reading for today from the book of Hebrews, the book talks about some of our spiritual ancestors. It talks about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Samson and Rahab and on and on. And some of them did great things. They, they conquered kingdoms and brought down temples. And some of them did really seemingly small things. Rahab welcomed a few strangers and, and hung a ribbon out her window. And yet that very small thing made it possible for the story to go on, for the race to continue. And, you know, we could fill out the story with our direct spiritual ancestors, those folks who stood behind us and walked beside us and, and carried us along. They weren't perfect. They were human, and they got us where we are now. They ran their part of the race as best they could. They, they took the baton from their ancestors, and, and then they gave it everything they had, and sometimes they fell down, and sometimes they lost their way, but they kept running, and eventually they handed the baton on to those who came after them, and the race went on. None of these people got to see the end of the race. Their little part of it came to an end. But the grand finale, the, the victorious moment when the baton finally crosses the finish line, they didn't get to see that. They lived by faith, trusting God's promises, and so do we. Like our spiritual ancestors, we don't get a say in how the grand parade begins, and we don't get much of a say in how it ends. We're stuck in the middle, which is not always an easy place to live. How do you live in the middle of the story? Well, maybe in part we live in the middle by letting go of our need to control beginnings and endings, by simply accepting this is where we are and running our part of the race with faith and hope and love. We play our part, whether great or seemingly small. We love our neighbors, the people who cross our paths and our minds. We welcome strangers. We do the good we can do. We fight the fights that come our way. We stop trying to change the past or grab hold of the future and instead live in the grace of today. 
And maybe living in the middle is made more joyful when we trust that the end is already settled. I love this by Wendell Berry. I'm sure you, you know this poem. It's taken from Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front. So friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world, work for nothing, take all that you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Practice resurrection. I love that. Practice resurrection. Maybe that's our hint. We don't really know about endings, but we do know something about the ending. We've caught glimpses. We've heard rumors. It's the story the scriptures tell over and over again of light shining in darkness, of people coming home from exile, of life finding a way, of love overcoming death. Our reading from the book of Revelation is, is, as I said, it's very near the end of the whole biblical story, almost the last chapter. It's a vision of the new creation, heaven coming down and filling all the earth. And it imagines the heavenly city and there's a river flowing through it bright as crystal. And the river feeds the roots of the tree of life that are on either side of the river. And the leaves from that tree are for the healing of the nations, nations that are, that are torn apart by fear and despair. Maybe having a glimpse of the ending tells us what to do in the middle we are called, we are called to be like that river flowing through the lives of others, flowing through the life of this community, bright as crystal, feeding the roots of so many trees, trees that grow tall and strong and just and kind so that, so that they can bring healing to the nations. We are called to plant seeds of joy and grace, to be a, a counterweight to the fear and despair of our world. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we dedicate our giving and our lives to God. We are caught up in the movement and noise and joyful chaos of this vast parade of life. We didn't get to choose how it starts, and we won't get to see the ending. But we live by faith, trusting that that ending in ways beyond our imagination will be abundant and full of joy. So here in the middle, let us plant seeds of generosity. Let us water the tree of life. Let us practice resurrection. Thanks be to God. Amen.